Welcome back, episode 114 of the Ranting Rangers podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Perkowitz, and I'm alongside Coast Brett. And in this week's episode, we have on goalie expert Kevin Woodley from InGoal Magazine, as well as NHL.com. We're going to be discussing Shesterkin's struggles this season, as well as Jonathan Quick's play, also goalies around the league. But first, just want to let you all know to go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And welcome back. We're back with goalie expert Kevin Woodley. Kevin, how's it going? I think my beer league team would would argue the goalie expert labels, but um, I'll take it. I'll take it. For, I'll take it from you guys. Even if the guys I play behind uh, sometimes wonder how the hell that gets tossed around as puck <laughs> after puck enters the net. Well, the difference between you know playing it yourself and uh, and, and analyzing it. So yeah, those that, those those that can't do teach, those that can't teach, talk about it uh, with other people. Yeah, there That's you go. Good. All right, we'll take it. Um, all right, to start off with uh, Shesterkin, uh, you know, he hasn't really looked like himself this year, at least the Shesterkin that we've come to expect uh, over the last few seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see being the main culprits of that? And uh, do you expect to see a, re- a rebound or um, is this kind of a new normal for him? Well, I th- I, I think, first of all, that's the timing is perfect, right? Because he's coming off uh, a gem against the capital so perfect right like you know the numbers are all down i'm not going to deny that they're not where we expected the bar got set so high uh in that pheasant trophy season like frankly like he was historically good i think if he finishes above 940 he he gets hard trophy like way more hard trophy run and that season you know it's funny because early this year when demko wasn't on on an absolute heater one of the things i said was like this is incredible but it, it's really hard to sustain it. Nobody's been at this level over the course of a season. It's even greater than Igor Shesterkin's Vesna winning season, you know, a month and a half in. And that was like, you know, not just great, but like historically great. So that's, listen, the bar got set super high. Um, as you're in the league longer, teams start to look for specific things. Like you guarantee that every team has built what they believe to be a book on Igor Shesterkin at this point. And guys pay attention to it, right? Like that's not the case when you first break into the league. I also wonder how much, like we've seen this with other guys under Laviolette. Um, he tends to get good defensive efforts out of his group. But one of the things that gets eliminated, it's not just like, hey, are they better in terms of not giving up quality? Although interestingly enough, both quick and Shesterkin have expected save percentages that are below the league average, which kind of surprised me. Um, but he tends to eliminate a lot of like, it's, it's one thing if you only give up the easy ones, but they also take those away or have traditionally taken that away. And so we've seen guys right back to Pecorine, uh, when, when Lavi arrived in Nashville really struggle without the opportunity to feel more pucks or just not getting as many shots as they're used to. And like, of course, like it's totally counterintuitive, right? Like every, everyone's like, Hey, as a goalie, less shots should be better. Um, but there's a fine line there and not everyone is as comfortable not being busy. Like there are, so there have been some really good goalies in the history of the league that didn't play as well when they weren't under fire, when they weren't busy, when they weren't able to maintain that rhythm. Some goalies just take a little time to get used to it, right? Like Jacob Markstrom in Calgary, uh, under Daryl Sutter, like that took a little time for him to go from a Vancouver team where, you know, he was stopping bullets in his teeth and 35 a night and go, go, go. And the odd bad one didn't seem to matter because you had a chance to make four or five, you know, great saves before the night was out and everybody had forgotten about it. Right. So the pressure points change 
expectations change and the ability to sort of stay in a rhythm can change with with that coaching style with the systems when they're executing it and you know interesting to me the one thing that i looked at that i I was wondering um you know is he giving up more bad goals and the answer is no actually like he's only got three low percentage goals on the season which outside of connor hellebuck who last i checked uh, earlier this week only had one which is just like mind-blowing um you know like some of the guys that play at the rate he's playing are some of the best guys are around seven eight nine and so for him only be at three it's like that's not where it's manifesting itself. It just seems to be, you know, in those high danger situations, the level we saw of him, it just hasn't been as consistent. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, there are a lot of different things that could go into it. I thought the year after his Vesna win, it looked like a guy that was maybe trying to hard to repeat it. Um, expectations can be tough on goaltenders. And the one thing you can't do as a goalie ever, or it tends not to work is try harder. Like as soon as you try harder, if you tense up, like it just changes everything right down to your mechanics, right? Like what do we tend to do when we try harder? We tend to get a little more locked in, a little more on our edges, a little more sort of oh, try for lack of a better term. James Reimer uses this word and it's always funny coming out of him when I hear it, but uh, horny, like you're just like, okay, come on, like shoot, shoot, shoot. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And you're just like, yeah. you're on your edges and you're digging in your edges. And like even biomechanically, what that does to you, like tension is the enemy of goaltending and you're adding tension. Um, you get a little wider in your stance. And of course we saw, I thought last year, there were times where we got a little wider in a stance, which, which limits or reduces the lateral explosion. Cause the wider you are, the less push you have, the less range of motion and lowers you a little bit in the net mechanically in terms of, we start to see some exposure high, you know, I, I was saying before we came on air, when I look at the high glove numbers, those are, I would say alarming, but but they're off, right? They're not what we come to expect. So I think there's a lot of different factors. I think as you saw earlier today, like there's no question that Igor Shesterkin remains, in my mind, one of the top goalies in the league and a guy who's capable of playing it. We've seen what he's capable of. And when push comes to shove and it's time to dial in for 60 in a tight game, like I'd be putting my money on Igor Shesterkin come playoff time. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good yeah. to hear. Uh, and you said the high glove side is the, the is the area where he's getting lit up the most right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers. Like, um, you know, when, you know, you can sort of map it all out. And listen, like high glove, high blocker, bar down stuff is every goalie in the league is going to have worse numbers there than say on the ice. You know, five hole and whatever. Um, it's just an area where shooters, when shooters get open looks, they either go high glove, high blocker, and uh, you know, he's you know on a on a relative to shot quality perspective, like he is close to minus 16 goals high on the glove side. Like that's, that's a little bit alarming for a guy who's still plus overall on the season. Um, again, most guys are, are, are in the negatives, high blocker, high glove. It's just a little more, you know, it's almost, almost double have gone in high glove compared to high blocker. And there's been more shots to the blocker side than there have to the glove side. So it's, it's wow. interesting. It's interesting. Glove versus blocker. Like it really seems, you know, it'd be interesting. Like are, are the hot, the most dangerous, the sort of time and space pick my spot shots all being directed there. So much of that is dictated uh, by what's going on in front of you. Or is this a bit of a blip and an anomaly either way? They do jump off the, off the page a little bit when, you know, even, even low glove to low blocker, it's like twice as many on the glove side as we're seeing on the other side right now. Yeah, I think um, Rangers fans are just because you, you mentioned, obviously, there aren't a lot where you'd say that are just terrible goals. 
I think it's just Rangers fans have just been so spoiled for tw like 20 years with Lundqvist, Jerkin, and Richter. I, I mean, we're not used to the goalies just stealing games constantly. Uh, and like you said before, like, I have no doubt, like, Shesterkin is going to have his ups and downs during the regular season. But come playoff time, he he's going to be the best Shesterkin possible. Uh, it just seems that whenever the game is at its highest, he goes with it. Is there anything um, in regards to, because uh, you mentioned high glove, high blocker, five hole and um there there was one other place that i was gonna ask uh just trying to think like low blocker low blocker yeah. was low blocker numbers are are really good five hole is actually uh a little higher than than we might expect um you know again i think that's a function of you know sort of getting caught moving or being forced to move so sometimes we say getting caught moving but the reality is the play dictates you must move right and so what does that do that opens things up so um, there's a, there's a little more there than, than we might come to expect, but you know, not a ton, not enough that you're not enough that you're going, Oh, this is an issue. Um, and, you know, and frankly, there are some guys around the league where it's like they get opened up and give up a ton through the middle. So does eight, five hole goals seem high? It might, but you know, relative to expected where some of the quality again, that forces a goalie to go East West, you know, he's barely below that amount. So it's not something where I would be like, Hmm this is problematic. This many pucks shouldn't be going through there. He's, he's, he's not that far below what we would expect based on the type of pre-shot movement that's creating uh, the scoring chances that are leading to those goals. I, I know you covered the Vancouver Canucks, but in the limited time you have watched, uh, whenever you watch Shesterkin, has he been deeper in his net? Does it seem like he's not coming out as much? You know what? And that's, you know, I wish I, I, I sort of have to apologize on this one because that's a that's a double edged sword for me because it requires not just watching what's going on this year, but then going back through the tape and making comparisons. And the truth is, like, I don't like to blow smoke um, and I don't know. So that like that's the just God's right. honest truth. I haven't wa I wasn't able to go back and, and watch enough video to say, oh, man, like like Demko, for example, is playing more assertively at the top of his crease this year than he was in the past in large part, because under Rick Tockett, he's no longer getting backdoored on a nightly basis where he has to, because of course, if we back up in our crease, the distance we have to cover cover. And of course, obviously with, with Henrik Lundqvist, you remember the inside out philosophy he operated under on playing a lot closer to the goal line. It's a shorter movement side to side, the deeper we are in our crease. But if we can trust the defense in front of us, not to create those lateral plays, then it makes it easier for us to be more assertive. Um, would it surprise me if that observation is correct under a new coach with some system changes and a bit of a different look? No, not at all. Um, but I haven't had the opportunity to watch enough video to say definitively uh, one way or the other, frankly. That would make a lot of sense too, because I feel like the Rangers defense has been giving up a lot more East-West passes. That's forcing the goalies to move a lot more, uh, which then would track that they would probably play deeper and not want to challenge as much because they don't feel like they have that support. Yeah, I think that um, anytime, you know, like 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 even just a change in what's going on, like a change in coaching staff and a change in philosophy, uh, is gonna like your tendency as a goaltender if you're uncertain. Well, actually, I guess I, there's two ways you can go. If you're not feeling good about your game or comfortable, if you're not trusting what's in front of you, you will tend to play a little deeper. If some guys get hyper aggressive when they're not feeling good about their game, but that tendency uncertainty uncertainty tends to create a little more sort of 
let's stay back. Let's give ourselves a chance to let this watch unfold in front of us before we react to where we think the shot is coming from. And, you know, when I, when I look at where they are in terms of, you know, East West plays and, and giving up those high danger plays through the middle, um, you know, they're, they're a little further than I'm, than I might expect, frankly, under a Laviolette team, like they're mid pack 17th in the NHL in terms of how many of those they give up, you know, on average on a nightly basis. And that's, you know, that's, that makes a difference. Like that's, that's a number that we pay close attention to, right? Like, uh, I know they're scuffling right now. Um, but I don't think it's a coincidence that when they're on top of their game, the Los Angeles Kings, like, like what's happened, they, they're one of the best teams in the league. What's happened recently is they started giving up odd man rushes and that allows you to create laterals. And we've seen them plummet, uh, Vegas, one of the top teams in that regard, Florida, one of the top teams in that regard, the Toronto Maple Leafs, like the teams that don't give those up, especially off the rush tend to end up being the teams that have both individual or sorry, individual goaltending success. Uh, you think of a Connor Hellebuck and what he's doing in, in Winnipeg, you're not surprised to see that they don't give up a lot of East-West. So uh, a little bit surprised, again, just given the reputation, Laviolette coming in and and being a guy that gets the best defensively out of his group, I, a little surprised to see them as far down as 17th when it comes to giving up East-West. Does it show, because um, I don't, I don't want to get, uh, does it show prior to the Rangers' injury uh, issues? in regards to their defense or it's not, that's not something that <clears throat> I can sort by date, but you guys would have to tell me when that started season until November 2nd. Yeah. So, I mean that, I mean, you know, so you could take a look at it, for example, and say since November 2nd, you know, where are they relative to the start of the season? And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we see a lot of ebbs and flows. So, you know, since, since November 2nd, um, do, how much do they move up this list? be honest with you they're actually giving up a little more um since november 2nd which probably sounds like it would surprise you based on based on the injuries uh but sometimes what happens when you have injuries on the back end you tend to lean on your systems more and then when guys come back everybody relaxes and thinks oh individual talent will be enough to limit these chances and i find that systems tend to outweigh individual talent when it comes to defending uh more often than not yeah, because um, yeah, well, like they had Kako out, uh, who's one of their best defensive forwards, and then which he just came back now, Adam Fox, Philip Heedle, uh, it was a, it was a mess. It was uh, they had Nick Benino as their third line center, Radzinski as their yeah their top line winger. Um, going to the Jonathan Quick now, obviously you and I, uh, we chatted a bit in the DMs over the summer. Like, is Quick gonna be successful? What what's gonna happen here? And he, what is different about his game this year that he's turned it around? You know, um, I've only watched, I've only watched a handful of games. Um, and I, like, I've never been happier to say I got this one wrong. I was worried about this move. Um, the numbers weren't overly flattering by the end in, in Los Angeles, cause they were a really good defensive team and, and he was underwater relative to that environment. They weren't, there was more individual and more team success with Vegas, but his individual numbers got better, but not still not great. Still underwater, still below expected. And, you know, to, to expect him to go there and have, you know, all of a sudden be more successful than he had with two different teams. I wondered, I didn't, I didn't, you know, walking from Yaro Halak, who had been so good for them again, both statistically and in terms of once a seat, he got comfortable there and in the environment, the second half of the season, it, it felt like there'd be a downgrade there. It felt like that might be a costly move. And I am absolutely eating my words on that. And I've never been happier because 
I know how much it meant to go back to New York to Jonathan. I had a chance to talk to him early in the season to sort of play for the team that he grew up cheering for. And I love seeing him have this success. In those games that I've watched, um, I just see, and this had already started elsewhere. Like that was the other part that had me concerned, right? It wasn't like you were going to have the Ben Waller effect. Like it wasn't like nobody else had tried to sort of take some of the aggression and dial it in a little bit. They'd already started that process in LA and he goes to Vegas and it's Sean Burke, who's a Ben Waller disciple, a lot more inside out mentality there as well. And, you know, again, you know, come playoff time, you know, look at the names they chose to start ahead of him. Right. Like, so I was a little nervous about it to his credit. When I watch him play, like he's almost never out of the blue. And if he is, it is heels at the edge of the crease. I think I've only sort of seen him in the games I watched once or twice be outside of that. Um, he's an incredible skater. He plays within his lines now a little more laterally. I think a lot of people think of depth uh, and the Ben Waller system as being sort of out from the crease, like to the top of the crease. But a lot of it is playing, always having sort of part of your inside skate within the lines of your post as well. It's east-west. And it's just allowed Quick to sort of, as explosive as he was in his prime and able to recover from more aggressive positions, it just looks like he's playing a more controlled, more contained game. Um, and it's fun to watch because he still does things like the crazy save he had the other night with the sort of back leg scorpion. Yeah. I don't even know what, I don't even know what the hell we call it, right? Like that athleticism yeah. is still there. Um, but when you're more contained and controlled, you tend to rely on it less often, right? Like you go goalie nine one one only when it's a true goalie nine one one situation. It's when you got to dial nine one one on a second save opportunity instead of a third or a fourth on a regular basis that you end up fishing more pucks out of your net. And I haven't seen, it's not like he's lost it, but he hasn't, it seems like he hasn't need to use it as much there as he was maybe in other places. And I like, I'm just, like I said, never been happier to be more wrong. Good for him uh, to get to like, it's, you know, they, they, they talk about uh, be careful. Like you got to own your fantasies, right? Like what reality versus what you expect going home can be. And quite often those are two different things. Like always wanting to be in a Rangers uniform and play at Madison square garden and doing the work and making the adjustments so that it, it lives up to, you know, what, what you had it in your mind as when you went there, like that's, that doesn't always happen for guys. And I I'm really happy for Jonathan quick that it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not the only one that was wrong. I think everyone uh, had that one pegged wrong. I don't, I don't think I talked to anybody that said, I think I really think Jonathan quick's going to work out for us. I think most everyone thought we're going to be shopping for a goalie uh, like a third of the way through the season because he's, he's, he's going to wash out at this point. Well, he's like, he's like 13th in the league in adjusted save percentage right now. Ridiculous. Uh, like that's, you know, he's up there, you know, I talked about Connor Hellebuck and and a guy who's playing his way into, you know, perhaps Vesna Vesna leading, you know, candidate at this point of the season with the heater they've been on on a shot by shot basis, adjusted save percentage. Jonathan Quick's a fraction ahead of him. Like it's unreal. Yeah. Truly remarkable. And very happy for him too. Um it seems like that uh, goals against this year is on the rise. Um, is there a, a particular reason that you can see for this trend? Yeah, stupid forwards are getting too good. <laughs> Honestly, like um, forwards have caught up. The game's caught up uh, for years. Like, and I'm years is years actually is an understatement. Decades. Like I was going to goalie specific goalie schools as a journalist in the early two thousands. Right. Like 
Players in the offseason trained to get bigger, faster, stronger. They never worked on their skills. They didn't, like ever, like at all. They just, they golfed and they went to the gym and they got bigger and they got faster and they got, it's like the Olympics, bigger, faster, stronger. Meanwhile, goalies were working on technique, right? Like all the time they worked on their craft. You know, most of them, like some of the anomalies wouldn't start till August, but like now a lot of these, these NHL guys are back on the ice in June, July. Now, some have learned that too much can be too much and they got to put it away. And like Carrie Price used to do, not, not get back on the ice till August. Uh, and then, but I mean, Kerry was so good at owning his game in a short period of time. Most guys are out there earlier trying to make improvements. Game's constantly evolving. I have to continue getting better. Otherwise, I'm falling behind by saying the same. Um, it's only in the last like five to 10 years that players have taken the same approach. They're now working on their skills and not just their speed. They're now working on their skills at speed. Uh, the understanding that the hardest play for a goaltender is not a perfect shot coming down the wing with speed. It's cutting coming down the wing, cutting across the middle of the slot and making him try and keep up laterally with speed. It's east west. Uh, it's all the analytics. Whoops, all the analytics and the understanding of, um, you know, how to score goals based on research. You know, pioneered by goaltenders, right? Like, how do goals go in? How do we evaluate shot quality? Well. An un a better understanding that of has led to more teams understanding how to create and generate more shot quality, right? So the game, I had a couple guys this year tell me the game has never been, like they're not complaining, they're not whining. They're just like, this is the reality. The game has never been harder for goaltenders. And off nights, like I remember talking to Luongo and those guys back in the day, and those were, you know, like guys who were eating like 70 games a season, night in, night out. Like they knew how to manage a B game. Like on it, you know, talk about depth. Like, hey, if I don't feel like got it, do I back up a little bit tonight and just let it hit me, you know, put myself in a position where I can get hit by the puck more often. Mm -hmm. You don't get hit by the puck anymore, man. If they got time and space, they're putting it by your ear. So if you aren't tracking and and beating plays to your spots and, and having patience on your edges, like off nights where the best in the game could manage them and still get out with a couple and a win, off nights in today's game, goalie coaches are like, man, you have an off night? That's when you pump five or six by a guy like it's it's tough right now. Um, and so I think all these factors to sort of come together to create a game that's, you know, never been tougher for goaltenders. And yet at the same time, some are having success, right? Like we're still seeing great seasons and great performances. And the, the one interesting thing was amidst all this rise in offense, I don't think it's a coincidence that there are teams having success out of nowhere this season predicated mostly on their ability to defend the Vancouver. Like I, I, I cover on a daily basis. One of the best examples of it, right? Like the Vancouver Canucks have always had offensive ability. They've had players that can score goals and a good power play. None of those players understood or were willing to do the work or invest the time in understanding how to defend until now. And I like, I don't know that Rick Tockett's message is any different than two coaches before him from Travis Green. They just weren't ready to hear it as young players. You know, all that it it was good enough for them to be in the league at an early age, get opportunities and score and create offense and be all stars and Calder Trophy candidates and in one case a Calder Trophy winner. But the habits were never going to be winning hockey. Like, you know, we talk about Winnipeg and the run they're on. Look at the Oilers. Like to me, the Canucks and the Oilers of the last couple of years, like I don't care how much offense you have. If you play fire wagon hockey, goaltenders can only bail you out for so long. Yeah. Everyone's like, 
Like, oh, like Thatcher Demko last year. This year, when the Oilers stunk at the beginning and were bleeding rush chances like crazy, like you looked at all the analytics, they 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 were like 32nd in the league in high danger, expected goals against off the rush. Largely, it wasn't even just, they changed their neutral zone defensive structure. They changed their in zone structure. It was mostly off the rush. It wasn't just their neutral zone. It was turnovers in the offensive end, uh, you know, selfish plays off cheating for offense, getting caught the other way. Like if you're near that bottom of the league defensively, when it comes to off the rush, you don't have a chance. Like you just don't have a chance. It doesn't matter what your goaltender does. And the amount of times I heard early this year in Edmonton, like, yeah, you know, the, the defense is really bad, but could you imagine if we had Thatcher Demko, like how different things would be. And I'm like, I don't have to imagine. Why didn't you take a look at the Vancouver Canucks at the start of last season? Like that wasn't, that's your Demko's injury at the beginning. Yes, he got got hurt eventually and missed a bunch of time. And then when he came back, he was great because they'd changed coaches and they'd added structure and they were actually defending and no longer turning pucks and leading two on ones and three on twos the other way, right? Like, so it as much as people still want to say, oh, if we only had a goalie, we could fix this. Like if you are in that bottom third, bottom five in those defensive metrics, I don't care who's in net for you. They can sustain it over the short term, like Demko did at the end of Boudreaux's first season, but it's not going to last. Like, you know, it's it's just, it just we keep seeing it. Stuart Skinner looks amazing right now. They're ready to run him out of town at the beginning of the year. What's changed? He didn't forget how to play gold. Did he get off to a bit of a slow start? Yeah, but the environment was frankly horse crap and it's tightened up since the coaching change. And what do you know? The goaltending looks better because he has a chance to read off what's going on in front of him. And, and in his case, I would argue, you know, rush chances aren't the strength of his game and they were giving up way too many of them. So um, as much as we see this increases in offense and skilled players making skilled plays, I think it's also renewed our focus on defense. Like you, you cannot survive just having great defensemen. You better have great structure in front of them. Or even if you manage to, you know, get on a heater and get through the regular season, I don't think you're going to have playoff success. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I know every goalie is different with their weaknesses. Was there any particular place where they're all universally getting exposed this year with goals against being higher up? I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about Shisterkin. I was I was sort of hesitant to talk a little bit or go too far into the you know, high glove, high blocker, because pretty much every guy in the league, like they're expected is going to be lower high glove, high blocker. Like if you give this generation of shooters time and space to pick spots, there's exposure there, right? Like, um, and that's kind of universal. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, anything that's, you know, um, the, the play we see the most off of right now, the biggest increase in offense is sort of plays through the middle below the hash marks and pucks funneling through there. And it's not even like that. It's specifically, causing goalies like like it's not even necessarily just a goaltending thing but it's just a play that creates offense because there's so many bodies and sticks and and crap as that puck gets through there that even if it doesn't even if it's a pass intended for a backdoor tap in and it doesn't make it chances are that that need to go from post to post and not open up holes in case it hits a stick hits a leg hits a butt on its way through um that's you know, that's where we're seeing the most offense. What I'm also seeing, and it's not specific to any one goaltender, it's more league-wide trends, 
man, have teams. And there was one, uh, I think it was actually Adam Fox against Charlie Lindgren just yesterday. The screenshot, the amount of work going in between forwards and defensemen, especially when you have that extra time on the power play to sort of work together to iron out this timing. You have puck control because of the extra man attack. Screens are becoming so dynamic. Like teams understand, hey, goalie wants the short side because he trusts his defenseman to take away the middle lane. So he's having to pick. So if I, if as screener, I start pushing him further and further to the short side, two things can happen. One, he can keep coming with me, in which case we've exposed the far side because he's pulled himself right at position. Two, at some point he has to switch his vision and come back over my inside shoulder so his vision's in the middle. If I shoot at that point, he has no idea where it's going because he can't see the release as he shifts. So that's a sec. I've seen the Canucks exploit that big time. JT Miller coming on the downhill side. The screener moves as soon as the puck hits JT's stick, and he's shooting as the goalie shifts his eyes, and he's guessing. And then the third part that the Rangers executed did so beautifully on that one is if the goalie center shifts because you've pulled him so far into the short side, a lot of goalies are, one of their mindsets is, I can come off that post and switch my vision because he's not going to shoot short side because his guy's there and he's not going to shoot into his guy. And, you know, I've had this conversation with forwards and defensemen now. They've figured that out. And they're like, they will run plays specifically where as soon as that goalie shifts, shoot it short side and I will turn out of the way. And that's what I loved about that Fox goal. Like if he, as you see, as he releases it, Lindgren shifts into the middle like it looks like he's going to hit his own guy, but his own guy knows it's coming and he's spinning out of the way to expose a part of the net that Lindgren had just moved out of and that he was previously occupying. So the amount of interplay between defensemen and forwards and screen tactics on power plays, like that cat and mouse game between goaltenders and, and those power plays is, man, like I don't know if there's any goalies getting specifically abused by it above you know others like catch it but man it's again to quote the couple of guys i talked about earlier game's never been harder and that's just one more example of it uh who who are your top goalies right now and what are they doing differently than everyone else where they're not as affected with goals on the rise it's a good question um i can give you my top guys but the beauty and this is what i love about the game is there's not necessarily anything that they're doing differently, like universally, right? Like, and that's what I love about the position. Like there's, there's no one way to do this, right? Like Charlie Lindgren is a very different goaltender than Connor Hellebuck. Jacob Markstrom, other than being huge, is a totally different goaltender than Connor Hellebuck. Like Hellebuck is about reads and control. And if you attack him in straight lines, there's nobody better. And I, you know, talked about, we talked about low percentage goals in the NHL, like who's given up most bad goals that like Connor Hellebuck's only given up one bad goal all year. That's insane. So he's certainly near the top of my list. Um, Jacob Markstrom, as much as he's improved the technical foundation, like Jacob Markstrom leads the NHL in goals saved above expected right now. He's been the best goalie in the league, more, more quote unquote, bad goals, low percentage goals. So you could argue that than some other guys than he should maybe have at this point in the season. But on a team that is not defensively what we expected, has retained very little of their defensive identity 
um, that existed under Daryl Sutter. His expected save percentage is 873. He's outperforming it by almost a full 3%. The only guy better is Aiden Hill on the season. Uh, and obviously Aiden's been out in a while, so he doesn't have the cumulative stats. Like Marsham's just killing it. And as much as his game has quieted and, and his technique has changed over the years, a lot of nights, it's like what we saw last night at the end of that Vegas game. I don't know if you saw it, like he's swimming. It's just compete and battle and anything he can do to stop a puck. And so there is no sort of universal theme amongst these guys. There's a couple late bloomers, which I always love. Charlie Lindgren is an example. Alex Lyon is an example. Guys who got different pieces from different goalie coaches at different stages of their career uh, and are having success now where they maybe weren't having the same success earlier. Jacob Markstrom's an example that even though it's been a few years for him, um, Connor Ingram's a great story. There's another guy that was overlooked. So maybe if there's a universal theme amongst some of these guys, it's that some of them took a little bit of time uh, and opportunities in different spots uh, to sort of get to this. They needed to have a different mix, different voices sort of help shape them. Uh, even Linus Elmark, who is, you know, I know his raw numbers are only like a 915, but you know he's top five in adjusted save percentage right now. And there's another guy who always looking for new things, new ways to do it, added a little backwards flow off the release in his game to Boston and is having success over the past two years like he's never had before. He's always, always good, but he's taking it to another level. So if there's a unifying theme, it's that you always have to be willing to evolve and change because the game is around you and you always have to be willing to listen to new voices and new ideas because as I, I sort of you know mentioned before, because of this constant evolution, both in the position of goal, but also in the way teams are attacking. If you're staying the same, you're probably falling behind. And all of these guys have are great examples of sort of evolving their games in different spots with different voices. Makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, it's it's funny too, because we play fantasy and a lot of the goalies you named have been the ones that I've uh, been targeting and picking up throughout the year as well. I've been like, wasn't expecting to have Alex Lyon on my team at the beginning of this year, but now he's, he's kind of a staple. So you see Lindgren, uh, by the way, being the starter now for the Caps. I mean, I mean, well, until you've done it, you haven't done it. I said the same thing here in this market about Thatcher Demko. Like, so you got to get like being the number one is a totally different ball of wax. Uh, you don't have the same amount of time to manage your game. Like, like I thought he was really good today again, which is a real test to go back to back like that, right? Like to not get the rest. Um, I still, I still think Darcy Kemper is a good goaltender, but like, uh, I got to be careful here. Not because it's like nothing against. It's more, I take satisfaction in guys that I maybe, I don't say called, but saw coming. Like, like I applauded the hell out of, I, I called the Charlie Lindgren signing in Washington two summers ago, the best offseason deal that I thought it would become the best signing in the NHL within a couple of years. And it took a little while in part because he was getting crap. Like he was getting all the stuff backups get through the first half of last season. And nobody could see the, that the results were great because he was getting put in tough spots, second end of back-to-backs against the best opponents, like where he didn't have much chance to succeed. And then once Darcy got hurt, he got a chance to play on a more regular basis and get all the starts and, you know, some of the, the, the kinder games. And he started to put up some numbers. So I sort of saw this potentially coming in Washington. So I might applaud it a little louder because it becomes a self-fulfilling fantasy for me. Um, the uh, Connor Ingram in Arizona, same thing, like was on the record as that's a guy team should be targeting off the waiver wire. And so I'm really happy to see him having that success as well. Um, Lindgren, Lindgren's one of those guys who 
The underlying numbers suggested this was coming, but then when you also talked to him, there were things he changed in St. Louis about the way he moved around the ice that sort of follow some newer trends in the game and the way they resonated and clicked with him, the way he was splitting the ice in middle off and, and shuffling more, uh, not flowing straight back, able to stay on angle uh, off rush attacks, but then how that also lent itself to even managing screens and how he pushed or shifted into shots rather than sliding into shots, like little keys in, in the mechanics of his stance and save execution and movement that just snowballed into every part of his game. And when, when you see the underlying numbers and you have that conversation with a guy and you realize a light bulb's gone off, you're like, yes, somebody should be targeting this guy in unrestricted free agency this summer. And the caps, uh, the caps did and are looking good for having done. So, I mean, what's he got another year left at 1.3, like yeah. that's, you know, those, yeah, those that that is a steal, and and Ingram too, in in Arizona, right? Again, you don't always you have to be patient, right? First half of the season last year, up to mid December, guy hadn't like Vamelka was playing really well, and uh -huh. Connor Ingram hadn't been a backup for years, right? He even in the at least in the American League he was playing, he had to totally adjust, like, and so he wasn't at his best. But once he sort of from I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from like mid December last year on, I think he's got one of the best save percenters in the entire league, along with Aiden Hill. So, um, you know, sometimes it's not where we expect it. And again, we talk about expectations. Sometimes the ones we expect it from like consistency is really hard. If Lindgren has two or three bad weeks, we probably don't notice as much. If Ingram has a bad week or two, we don't notice as much. If Igor Shishterkin has a bad couple of weeks, everybody notices. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the focus is definitely on those guys versus a lot of these guys. If you, if you don't follow the NHL broadly, you may not be like Connor, who, who is this guy? I have no idea, you know, um, but they definitely, they're, they're making a name for themselves uh, uh, this year. That's for sure. Um, I actually, had to ask, by the way, that, before, because uh, I have like one goalie on my fantasy team. So I had to, I have to try to claim one more. So I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll give Lindgren a chance because he's available. I think so. All I have is all I have. Stuart Skinner. That's basically you know Logan Thompson's going to be a backup soon with Aiden Hill coming back. So that, that's a that's a big that's a that's a big problem for me because I as Brett knows I forgot to draft goalies. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, good. Wow, that's 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 that we just can't have that. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> available. I'll uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna take him. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That's uh, nice. Anyway, Brad, sorry for interrupting you there. What were you saying? Yeah, no, 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 no. Interrupt you as you as you, as you uh, cruise the waiver wire. Um, uh, actually, the the targeting of the goalies is actually the second and last question we have here for you. Um, what goalies do you think the teams that are having goalie problems right now and are looking to still make a playoff push? Uh, who do you see as likely trade deadline acquisitions that that you would like? Kind of curious to see what Detroit does. Obviously, we've seen like like. Alex Lyon sort of having to sign as a number three is almost remarkable because uh -huh. you saw this, like he got the Panthers into the playoffs. I know he ended up losing the job to back to Bob, who was great, but like he got them there. Right. So, you know, does he, does he stay in Detroit? If not, does James Reimer go obviously with who so out that becomes an issue. Uh, I don't think the Bruins are going to split anything up now, but long-term that's one you got to keep an eye on Anthony Stollers. You know, we talk about guys having success in Florida. Like Anthony Stollers is a guy who, you know, underlying numbers have been for a couple of years now, more flattering than the raw stuff. He's been really good when called upon in Florida. Uh, if Spencer Knight is ready at any point this season to resume his role with the Panthers, or if they decide that, you know, they're going to keep running Bob out there and they like Anthony Stollers, would they ever move a Spencer Knight? Like 
you know, situations where there's more goalies than there are nets are ones that to, to keep an eye on. Um, Jordan Bennington was one of the best goalies in the league for the first, you know, two months of the season, fall off a little bit. Um, you know, but on the season as a whole, you know, the narrative in St. Louis after they won the cup is they were a great defensive team, but it hasn't been true since then. They've leaned heavily on goaltending and Bennington for long stretches has outplayed his environment by notable margins. Hard to do when the team defense is that bad for, for an entire season, but he's had really strong stretches. Would anybody take a flyer there? Um, you know, I mean, obviously we know, but we've heard a lot of from about the Elvis Merzlikens situation. Uh, contract makes it a tough thing to do. You know, on the season, like he's flirting with top 20 amongst sort of regulars with an adjusted save percentage of plus 1%. If you, if you filter it for December 1st, so say the last six weeks, even though he would like to play a little more than he has during then, like he, he vaults up um you know into top 15 in the league at plus two and a half percent like he's he's having a hell of a a season despite everything that's going on there um you know honestly i don't think it's going to happen in minnesota uh but mark andre Fleury, if he were to decide to want to go somewhere else and again these are these are the ones that are interesting like i don't think anybody would have expected when i told him jacob markstrom leads the league in adjusted uh goal saved above expected because the raw numbers aren't there. Marc-Andre Fleury's in the same case. Like he's outplayed that environment by a decent margin. He'd be an option to me. Um, other guys that maybe aren't as well known. I mean, everybody's going to look at a Jake Allen. Um, but I like I believe in Kevin Lankinen, uh, for the National Predators. Like things have kind of gotten off the rails a little bit in national. Neither goalies. You know, we talk about expectations. Like you know, Igor Shosturkin and the expectations that surround him. Like UC Saros to me is in the same category as a guy who's one of the truly elite goaltenders in the league and yet has not much like Igor has very similar numbers on the season and 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 hasn't lived up it's really hard to be consistent year in year out uh in the NHL as a goalie but Kevin Lankinen over the last couple of years before things sort of started to get off the rails there in Nashville is sort of a, a guy that I don't think anybody would have been looking at but as a sleeper pick I think could ha- could help a team as well very good I'm uh, I'm very curious if you guys could just uh, at the beginning of the year I had a bet with my brothers uh, when we were drafting fantasy goalies and I had the option to choose either UC Soros or Connor Halbach. Um, who would you have chosen in that situation? Beginning of the year. Oh, I would love to tell a fib and tell you that I would have gone Halbach all day. I didn't know they'd be this good defensively. Um, and I actually think that I'm trying to remember if Helly was still available. I, I had a year long hockey pool where I ended up having to draft for a friend, okay. who, but I'm like almost dead last in that pool and he's winning it. So <laughs> he has a very nice car. He owes me a ride in if, uh, if, if he wins with my picks and I actually took UC Saros for him. Uh, and I, Jeez, I don't think anybody saw Winnipeg being this good. I, I actually think Hellebuck might have still been on the board in that pool, and I took UC Saros. Okay, so. wow. all right. I yeah, took Hellebuck yeah. for the I uh, snagged up Gabe Velarde when he came back. That team is, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah they're they're playing. And again, the roots of it are defensive, right? Like, yeah. as much as we talk about all this offense, the teams that take care of their own ends and then counterattack off it seem to be the ones that are having the most success right now. Or at the very least, like it's, it's not even just defending. If you are amongst the worst teams in the league in terms of what you give up off the rush, 
you probably, I don't care what your goaltending is. You don't have a chance. Buffalo has been one of those teams for years. They're, they're actually of late starting to turn a corner defensively. Um, and I need to dig in a little bit and see if there's been any systems changes. Cause at times I'm watching them. It's like, do you guys have a system or are you just relying on, on defensive individual talent? Um, but just last year. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, um, as much talent as they have in Buffalo until they sort that side of their game. I just didn't, it didn't matter who's in that. And I didn't see them go anywhere. Like, you know, Eric Comrie, poor guy gets sent down to the minors. Nobody picks him up because he's got an 863 as expected was 850. I've never seen an expected save percentage wow. that low in the national hockey league. And it was 865 last year. So either they just gave him every start. They knew things were going to be rough and they didn't want to throw their kids into, um, or there's something I'm missing in the water in terms of how teams play, in front of him, uh, but he has just gotten the absolute worst card you could possibly get as a goaltender for two years straight. And and as bad as 865 was last year as an expected, uh, 850 just staggeringly. That's, that's brutal. They, they yeah, they that's a, all, all-star the... games probably have a higher um, right. expected, yeah. say, percentage. Yeah, they probably regret um, letting Pekka go to the Rangers because, I don't know, it definitely seems like their system wise and the coaching staff wise, it would definitely have benefited to try to bring them up. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like I hear all the, I I've heard nothing but great things about Don Granado and, and the players seem to love him. And, and I think sometimes the one thing we can't that I've learned, again, we learn along the way constantly myself as as journalists too, right? Like Travis green preached a lot of the same things here in Vancouver that Rick Tockett is preaching now. Now, has he brought in some different voices as assistants? Yes, all those things. Um, might the delivery be a little different? Possibly. But you have to have a group that's mature enough and ready to understand that the way they're doing it isn't going to work in the National Hockey League. And you know, a- as we get into this league full of young, skilled, offensive players, sometimes it's tough to get that message through early on. So I don't, you know, don't want to just be like, ah, it's the coaching staff. They got to go. Um, you know, you have to have a receptive audience as well. And sometimes young skilled players, getting them to buy in defensively takes time. All right. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Just final question here. What do you think of Dylan Garant? Uh, he's the Rangers top goalie prospect. What do you think of him? What do you see him being? I would be lying if I told you I'd seen a ton of Dylan Grand this year, or even last year. Uh, I know some people that do some work with him. Uh, I know we turned a corner, sort of heading into the playoffs, um, sort of reset some things from his mindset and his approach and just kind of hit restart and was really good, of, as I understand it, sort of into the playoffs last year for Hartford. Uh, and by the sounds of it, has continued that this year. Like, I, like again, don't blow smoke. I don't bull crap if i don't know i have not watched a ton of american hockey league i can barely keep up with all the nhl goalies i like dylan grand i've always liked his mindset he's sort of from our neck of the woods so we've had some exposure to him know some of the coaches he's worked with obviously anytime you work with benny alaire that's a positive you know arguably the best guy in the game um and so that all bodes very well it sounds like there's a process in terms of getting comfortable at the pro level it sounds like he went through that last year, survived the sort of adversity, as as Joey Decord's dad told me um, after the Winter Classic. You know the 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 seemingly sudden like rise to prominence in the NHL for his son that actually took you know like a decade of work to get there. Like 
more calluses. Like that's anytime you have a setback, you just approach it like more calluses. We can just keep, and the more calluses that we have, the tough, more toughened we're going to be for tough situations in the future. And so Gron went through that a little bit last year, came out on the other end of it before the season ended in a really good space. And that always bodes well, both in terms of confidence, but there's going to be dips, right? Like we, we're seeing it right now. We talked about Igor, right? Like it hasn't been as good as it was in the past. It's sort of how you find your way through that. Like forget the technical side, how you wait, find your way through those moments mentally and come out on the other side better for it are important. It's why I love Stuart Skinner. Um, doesn't matter how bad things get. Like his approach is constantly growth mindset. And everything I've heard about Dylan Grand, everything I know about Dylan Grand is that, you know, I, I can't tell you what the upside is. But the belief is it will be in the National Hockey League and it will be as a good National Hockey League goaltender. Well, that's very good to hear. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a, obviously as a Rangers fan, it's always good to hear that the the, the next one in line is, is good because obviously I don't think we can count on quick to uh, to keep delivering us, uh, you know, this kind of backup play for years on end, uh, especially not at his age. So uh, I'm happy to hear that he's got that mindset because, yeah, I mean, with goalies, that's always the joke is you, know, you guys are all head cases. Um, so you get, you get, you, you get it right. Uh, you know, that is, that, that is the main thing. And it's, it's also something that we see a lot. I, I know that Steve Alcat has kind of railed against how early teams are getting young goalie prospects into the NHL. And that being a big problem is that they really do need the extra years of seasoning, um, in order to be able to perform. That's changed. Like that's, that's, I mean, that I've taught, I had goalie coaches tell me this year, like, and again, you look at the guys over my shoulder, Luongo, Lundqvist, Price, like you couldn't get into the NHL. There was a spot for, you know, 10 game backups because these guys were playing 70. And so yeah. you had to wait and you had to mature. The NHL was never a development league for goaltending. It is now. Yeah. Like it has become a development league for goaltenders for the first time, probably in the history of the league. And it's at a time when we're also developing young players and it's become a development league. Yeah. And that makes it even tougher on goalies because what do young players do more than veteran players? They make mistakes. Right. And so it's ironic that the league is now a development league for goalies for maybe the first time ever at a time when it's never been harder to be a goalie in the NHL. Like the irony of those two things, Steven's right. Like if you can leave a guy, leave a guy. Because those two things do not interact very well. And you may see some guys get ruined uh, by too much too soon. And look at, you know, it's probably a lot like, look at Carter Hart, who's having an exceptional season, by the way, and was pretty damn good from an adjusted save percentage perspective last year too. Um, but again, right out of junior, the expectations that came with early success and then living up to them can be very difficult for a kid who was anointed sort of the next one in Philly. Um, and now he's playing really well and I don't hear much about it. And so if he has a little bit of a dip for a week or two, I also don't hear much about it, right? So sometimes we need those expectations to be tempered for kids to have another chance because they get too high right out of the gate. And probably something that fans should keep in mind with Igor Shesterkin, because again, to get back to our start, my bet is when push comes to shove and he needs to focus for 60 minutes and the shots might not be all that busy, but it's a playoff game that he'll deliver. Isn't it also um, with the younger players now that it's more of a also developmentally uh, when you're facing them, the younger players, it's more unpredictable to know what they're going to do. Well, they have the ability. It may look unpredictable, but they have the ability to pull off skill plays that are by design unpredictable. Like we talked about the evolution of skills work, like shooters now 
know exactly how a goalie reacts to a blade being opened in a certain manner and know how to open it halfway through a shot and then close it or vice versa, have it closed as the shot comes and then open at the last minute and change the angle. Like to show one thing and deliver another to a generation of goaltenders that has learned to read it one way. Like, and the, the art of deception from these shooters, their ability to pull things out of nowhere and make moves. You guys saw it with Huglander the other night going between the legs and, and, and catching Igor, you know, sort of on the long, wrong leg himself as he came across, probably expecting anything but a shot at that point. Like guys are making dynamic plays in the national hockey league at a level we've never seen before. So just one more sort of damn, these forwards are making our lives miserable. Um, I'm just glad I have to watch it from the couch. Cause I would have torn my groin 10 times over trying to keep up with it in the real world. <laughs> All right, oh, Kevin, thank you well, so I'm... much for coming on. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Is there anything you wanted to plug in or something you're working on that you'd like to mention before we go? No, I'm just a shout out to my NHL.com column every two weeks uh, called Unmasked. Um, just because my bosses at the, at the NHL.com have allowed me to have a goalie column now for like five or six years. Um, and I really appreciate it. So if you're into this type of weird goalie discussion, we get into the weeds in that place uh, a fair amount. Um, the last one was about how goalie sticks are as custom as player sticks. Players aren't the only ones with weird custom rituals on their sticks. So that's the kind of fun stuff we get into there. And then if you're a goalie and you want to become a better goalie, just go to ingolmag.com. We sit down with NHL guys, Connor Hellebuck, right? Best in the game. I got a video session of me and him sitting down reviewing a save just from last week. So um, every week we post new ones with goalies breaking down video, goalies on the ice, NHL goalies on the ice, doing training sessions, explaining their drills, explaining what they're working on basically bring you into the locker room, bring you into their worlds, bring you onto the ice with them so that they can share tips and insights that will help you become a better goaltender. If you're not a goalie, probably not for you. Don't check it out if you're a shooter, because I don't want you figuring anything out by watching <laughs> it. But if you're a goalie, whether it's a youth goalie, parent goalie coach, we have most of the NHL subscribes to it from a goalie coaching perspective, over 200 professional goalie coaches around the world subscribe to ingolmag.com and our ingol premium. Uh, we will make you a better goal, even if it's just a beer leaguer. Um, myself is the exclusion. I just suck. But everybody else, we promise you'll get better. So check it out. I've been kind of murky getting better with it, but you know, I'm sure you probably already subscribed. So um, not uh, not the right endorsement that you need. So we won't we won't mention that when we're promoting this. But yeah, thank you so much. Uh, every time we talk, I always learn a little bit more uh, about goalies and really appreciate you taking time to speak with us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my better. pleasure. Like I said, sorry, I didn't have a little more time to get a little deeper into the video, but we'll just save that no one for the playoffs when uh, Igor's tearing it up and lighting up the league again. That sounds great. We'd love it. Take care. Thanks, guys.